First reading is Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 to 16, and can be found on page, one, page 995 in the Red Bibles. Matthew 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the second reading is uh, Matthew 26, verses 17 to 30, and can be found on page 996 in the Red Bibles. That's Matthew 26, verse 17 to 30, found on page 996 in the Red Bibles. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord? Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had never been born. Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi? 
Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. The third reading is Matthew 26, verses 31 to 44, and can be found on page number 996 in the Red Bibles. Then Jesus told him, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. All the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I, while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground on, and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. This is the word of the Lord. Two reflections for us uh, from those readings for Monday Thursday. Um, it's interesting this time of year. Um, I, uh, if you've followed any of the news, um, you may well know uh, that uh, both uh, the Passover and Ramadan currently overlap uh, alongside uh, a Christian Easter uh, season as well. It's an interesting time in the Middle East if you follow the news. Um, all of these uh, running concurrently at this point, uh, different groups celebrating different things. Obviously, some celebrating kind of high and significant moments in the history of the movement or the faith. I wonder why, why is it Christians 
celebrates the end of their leader at this time. Why do we celebrate the end of our leader? One of you ever pondered that or wondered why that may, may be? Something is coming to an end in the readings that we've had. Something significant, something momentous. Uh, two things we'll reflect on, and I'll give us a little bit of space after each one. There are, you might have spotted, there are two pourings out in the readings that we had. There are two outpourings. And the first uh, happens at Bethany. The first pouring, uh, it's about the cost of what is about to happen. It's the cost of the end that we've reached for Jesus at this point. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of ex very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Now, it seems like there were two uh, incidents uh, like this recorded in the Gospels, and you may, you may have sort of memories of different ones. There was one that is in Luke, which is further north and earlier on in his ministry. There was one in the, uh, uh, the other Gospel accounts here near his final days, here at Bethany, involving uh, here the woman who comes carrying this alabaster jar. Now, it helps to know something of what it was like, this kind of uh, formal setting where a meal would be happening. Jesus is reclining at the table, so that's what they, they would have done, how they would have uh, sat or kind of leant back on some cushions uh, uh, near the table, feet away from it, so that they could eat. There was a formality. There may have been others around watching or serving, but those who were invited would have been gathered in that way. It wasn't unusual to do something like uh, anointing with oil at points, whether it was water to wash, oil to cleanse. It wasn't unusual for that uh, to happen, particularly in a formal setting where you had invited people in. However, this woman comes with her jar and presumably coming up to where Jesus was, perhaps behind him, breaks it off and begins to pour out this perfume. It's the most expensive perfume uh, that is thought to be mentioned in the Bible. It appears a couple of points uh, in the Song of Songs. It is rich, expensive, uh, and it's the excessive nature of it that catches everyone's attention. Here is a woman who comes and pours out this uh, perfume which uh, they think might have been worth about a year's wages. I don't know where you go and buy that uh, here. Maybe you go to Selfridges. Um, she comes and pours the perfume, and it disrupts everybody's sensibilities. Can you see that now? I, you may be from a different part of the world. I wonder whether... Uh, sensibilities about money are quite as they are here uh, in Britain. But where we are, if somebody does that sort of thing, immediately someone will get a little bit uppity about what could have been done with the money. And that's pretty much what you get here. The disciples saw this. They were indignant. Why this waste? 
the perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. So there's a good solution out there for the money. It's the excessive nature of what she's doing that is causing the difficulty. Uh, it reminds me of uh, um, Mr. Darcy's arrival in Pride and Prejudice. Uh, if you know the story well, you know that uh, we're told that he drew the attention of the room uh, on his first appearance by his fine person, his tall and his handsome features, and the report, which was in general circulation after about five minutes, that he was worth £10,000 a year. Once you know somebody's worth something, your attention is drawn to them. And the woman has made Jesus the focus of attention. And she has risked doing that in her action. And aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The poor you will always have with you. It actually uh, alludes to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. So Jesus is pulling them up in their own terms. But he's saying, you won't always have me with you. And in the Bible, anointing is usually for kings. But the word here that is used for this pouring out is the pouring out when corpses are anointed. So something is coming to an end here in Jesus' ministry. His life is coming to an end. She is readying him for burial. And it was going to be a costly loss. It was worth the expenditure. It was worth that most expensive perfume. It was worth the year's wages. And not everyone can see it, but she can. Something was coming to an end. Jesus' is life. And you have to, I guess, see the lens through which that shows us what is going on here. This wasn't just an ordinary death. This wasn't just another leader who was dying. This is the Lord of glory. This is the Prince of Peace. This is the one who walked the universe before it was born, who has come to lay down his life and end it. It's like Aslan. It reminds me of the, uh, the great and noble Aslan in C.S. Lewis's uh, Narnia story. Quietly, in the night, being led to his death. This great, noble, wonderful figure of a lion, head bowed, facing the end. And I wonder, do we ever stop and reflect at this time of year? Do we reflect on what it cost, the value of it, the price of Jesus' death? He was no ordinary leader but he was our maker who had come to end.
Why don't we take a pause for a moment? So that's the first pouring, the cost of the end for Jesus. The second pouring is the new beginning from the end of Jesus. The new beginning from the end of Jesus. Now, it was the Passover, and uh, verse 17 tells us, the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he gives them instructions. They're to go to a certain man, uh, and he will direct them to where they can uh, make this meal. And when the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table again with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly one of you will betray me. You can imagine the, uh, the quiet horror in the room at that thought. They had met to eat Uh, the Passover meal. They were remembering one of the great moments of liberation of their people. Uh, It takes us back to the story of the Exodus. It was a meal that they were to eat. It was to be eaten uh, first when it began. It was to be eaten in a hurry. It was to remind them of their departure, uh, of the Exodus, of their rescue, and of their great liberation. They were to do that, and they were to do it Again and again and again, a perpetual memory. They were to remind one another of all that God had done for them in that. And as they are eating this, what would have been familiar meal, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, only Matthew includes the words about forgiveness of sins. Only Matthew tells us that what Jesus is doing is recasting and linking together parts of what happened in the history of God's people. As they tell the story of their liberation, of their exodus once again, there is another point in the, people of God's, in the, in the history of God's people that Matthew links them back to. In Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, there were words that were prophesied and spoken of a new covenant coming. And you might have seen your, your Bibles have a, a footnote where some manuscripts describe this as the new covenant. Uh, And Jeremiah said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. 
declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And when Jesus says these words, that's his uh, blood is, the new co- is of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, he is taking them to a different point, the end of the exile that God's people had faced. He's taking them to the point where there was a different kind of ending. This was the homecoming after years of being away, being exiled. This was the return after a long period of uh, enslavement, if you like, where there seemed to be no hope. And what is coming from this ending of Jesus is the forgiveness of sins. His blood is poured out not to anoint, but to wash and to cleanse. Now, how is he going to do that? Well, because in his death, he is going to take on himself the punishments, the judgments that the exile had brought upon uh, God's people, that our turning from God brings upon us his creatures. At the Passover, you had, uh, you had three things. You notice one of them isn't mentioned here. You had the bread, which Jesus speaks of. You had the wine. At the Passover, you would have had a lamb as well. Now, there's no lamb mentioned here. Why is that? Because Jesus himself is the lamb. Jesus says, my end, my death, is going to be a new beginning. I will be the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Before you had the lamb, it reminded you time and again of what was needed. And now, I will bring that to a conclusion. My life ends, says Jesus, so that yours can begin so that forgiveness can be granted, so that sin can be washed away. And that's the price of what is happening. The first outpouring tells us the cost of what was happening. The second outpouring tells us the beginning that was won from it. And I wonder how, how do we appropriate that for ourselves? How do, we, how do we take that on board ourselves? I think it's when you bring the two together. Matthew has put these two alongside one another. When you, when you see the cost of it, when you see the significance of what it was for the Lord of glory to walk the earth and lay down his life for us, when you see the, the magnitude of that, that's when you begin to sense the enormity of what Jesus is doing. The fact that this is about the forgiveness of sin for you and me and any who would turn to him. It's of that order, it's of that scope, it's of that nature. And it's as you see and sense, as we gather around, share bread and wine, do what he commended us to commemorate, 
as we do that, as we grasp the cost for him, so we begin to sense actually the wonder of what he won for us, the forgiveness, the washing away of sin, the clean slate. And if you don't know that here this evening, that is what Easter is about. The reason we celebrate the end of Jesus is because of how momentous it was in making a new beginning for me and you. Let's have another moment to reflect before Jack continues and we gather around the table.